I am going to introduce Mike. Obviously, he doesn't generally need an introduction, but I want to see this. Mike's going to share about communion. I was mindful, 12, 13 years ago, I had the privilege of going to a campus uh, of Birmingham University. It was one of the halls of residence, and there was this young guy who was a first-year medic, and uh, he, in the evening, just, it was a small group gathering, got to share something on communion. And as he shared, I found it so profound. And he's very smooth-faced. He looked like a child, to be honest. And yet, he was at, he was at university. And, um, and in it, I just thought, this guy's got something. He's wrestling with God on something that we've maybe as kind of new sort of church lost the light of, of what it's going to be. The communion is something is profound and something that is to benefit us. And therefore, I want us to welcome Mike up because as we are, we're going to hear him briefly share something of the journey that he's been taking of in the quality and wonder of what communion is for each and every one of us. So let's welcome Mike. Young, attractive. Childlike. Childlike. (laughs) A boy, just a boy. Um, It was was wonderful, wasn't it, to hear from Matt on confession. Confession is something we say to God and often invite others in on. We're going to think a bit about communion now, which is something that God says to us. Okay. So what we're going to do is to start with, read from 1 Corinthians 11. And there's much to say, so little time. I'm going to be as quick as I can. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, so in just a moment, we're going to take communion together. But I just want to say a few words about it first. I love communion. I love it. It's a wonderful gift from God, which has always been central to the worship of the church. That's why here at Oasis, we have a communion service every Sunday afternoon, though not in August at 4.30. And we we Try to take it once a month here in the morning service too. And communion has been given a number of different names across the years. So you might hear it referred to as the Eucharist, which is from a a Greek word meaning thanksgiving. You might hear it referred to as the mass or the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper. I'm going to mostly use the term the Lord's Supper because that's what we see it referred to as in the scriptures. I'm just going to ask three questions about it. Firstly, what is it? And then secondly, why is it important? And then thirdly, how should we receive it? What, why, and how? So firstly, what? The Lord's Supper is a sacrament. A sacrament. And a sacrament is an outward sign of God's promise or pledge to you. There are two sacraments that Jesus gave to the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. They are signs of God's promise to us, a word from God to his people. St. Augustine called them visible words. So in them, we see something of the message of God. Now, verse 26 of the passage just read out says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when, when we break the bread and take the juice, a proclamation is happening. Something is being said. God's word is being spoken. 
So what kind of word is being proclaimed as we take the bread and the juice? Well, there are two aspects to that word. It's a word of gift. Verse 24, this is my body, which is for you. Something is being given and received, a word of gift. Secondly, it's a word of promise. Verse 25, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's a word of covenant, a pledge, a promise. So it's a word of gift and a word of promise. And what's the substance of the gift and the promise? It's Jesus. Jesus is being given. He's the one. In the Lord's Supper, God offers us Jesus freely in such a way that involves our senses of sight and touch and taste. And in this way, our faith in what is presently unseen is nourished and strengthened by something that we can see and feel and taste. And in so doing, we recognize the wonder of what God has given us. It's a wonderful gift from God because he knows in our weakness, faith doesn't come naturally to us. So he strengthens our faith in this way. And when we take it, we know that we're taking his promise in for ourselves. The supper proclaims Jesus' death until he comes, verse 26. And so it replaces the Passover meal because Jesus is the true Passover lamb given to you and to me. His blood marks us as his very own. He delivers us from sin and from death and takes us into his righteousness and life. The supper says, here is Jesus, your God, your savior, your righteousness, your healer, your provider, your Lord. Here he is, he died for you. He's risen for you. He's coming back again for you. Take him, he's yours. That's what the supper says. What a word, what a promise. And you just simply swallow it down and drink it in. God speaks, God provides, you receive. That's always the direction of the flow. So John Calvin said, let it be regarded as a settled principle. The sacraments have the same office as the word of God, to offer and set forth Christ to us, and in him the treasures of heavenly grace. So what is it? It's a word from God to you. Secondly, why? Why do we take the Lord's Supper? Well, there's at least three reasons why we take the Lord's Supper regularly. Firstly, because we encounter Jesus in the Lord's Supper. You'll notice that in verse 24 and verse 25, Paul quotes Jesus as saying, when you take the bread and you take the cup, do this in remembrance of me. Now, it's easy to miss the significance of what's being said here. When we hear the word remember or remembrance in our contemporary culture, we naturally think it means call something to mind that you might otherwise forget. Uh, so Mike, um, remember to take out the bins. Uh, remember to take a shower. Remember your anniversary, that type of thing. Things that I can forget, but I ought not to. Okay? <laughs> and yet that's not the way in which the Bible talks about remember or remembrance at all. We read in several places in the Bible, it says something like God remembered Noah, or God remembered Rachel or Hannah. Or in Exodus 2, it says that God heard the cry of his people and he remembered his covenant with Abraham. Or the thief on the cross says, Jesus, says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And if you're not careful, you can end up thinking, maybe God's just got a really bad memory for a face. And maybe he's just very forgetful. Of course that's not it. Of course it's not. Not at all. 
Fleming Rutledge explains that remembering in Scripture refers to present action. So when the thief on the cross asks Jesus to remember him, he's saying, take action on my behalf. Please do what I can't do for myself. When God remembers his people, it means he is presently active amongst them. So similarly, Fleming Rutledge says this, that when we repeat Jesus' words, do this in remembrance of me in the communion service, we do not simply call Jesus to mind. Jesus is actively present with power in the communion of the people. We're not just thinking about Jesus' actions in the upper room. We acknowledge he is present and acting in the community gathered at the table in the present time. So in a moment when we break the bread and when we pour the juice... Jesus is with us by his spirit in a way very unique. This is an ordinance that he has given us, a way in which we're to meet with him. We swallow down and drink in his promises, and in doing so, we meet him, and we realize he's been given to us, and he is ours, and we are his, and it's all we could ever want. It's not that anything happens to the bread and juice. It's not his real body or his real blood. Is that by the Spirit, he meets us in that sign. So that's one reason why we should take it regularly. Secondly, we should take communion regularly because it shows that we receive the gospel outside of ourselves. The Lord's Supper nourishes and sustains our faith. And that nourishment is not limited by your subjective experience or feelings. This is so important. Our tradition of churches, the kind of charismatic evangelical, can be prone to a kind of internal striving when you gather to worship. As if you'll only really know if you've met with God if you reach a particular emotional climax or a particular cognitive certainty when the preaching happens or you really feel it in worship. And, and, and actually what that does is make it all about us, our emotional state or our psychological state. But the gospel always comes from outside of ourselves. The gospel is not our experience, emotional response, or state of mind. The gospel is the objective reality that God has already done something on our behalf and the promise that he has given Jesus to you to take as a gift, freely. This proclamation evokes our response in our affection, in our devotion, but we don't drum those things up. We simply hear the message of Jesus and take him as our own, receive it, just as freely as you receive a piece of bread or a cup of juice. The gospel comes from outside of ourselves. And finally, we take communion regularly because it speaks of our unity together. We come to the same table with the same need, receiving the same gift in the same way. Whatever your background, however your performance, however you're feeling, you're invited to come. So that's why, how, then, briefly. And as I say this last bit, maybe if the communion could be started to be distributed, that would be fantastic. How do we, do we take communion? Well, firstly, we receive it. What is your posture towards Jesus? When the Lord's Supper is distributed, we receive in Jesus as our Savior and Lord not just in part, but in full. So it's not that, if, if that's not your posture, then coming to the table actually makes a mockery of the gift because it's Jesus who's given. When we come, 
we only come if we want him. Okay? And so that means the second, the second thing in terms of how is that we examine ourselves. Paul goes on to talk about that in 1 Corinthians 11. It's an opportunity to say, are there any areas in my life which are closed to Jesus? If so, that's a moment of grace. That's a moment of grace because there's an opportunity there to do what Matt's just encouraged us to, to confess that and to receive him, to adopt the posture of receiving him as Lord and Savior again and then quickly act upon that by taking the bread and the juice. You are all invited. You only need to want him. If you want him, come. And then finally, we take it together. We always take the Lord's Supper together. Not pushing and shoving, not looking down at one another, not judging one person and putting another person on a pedestal, but as it were, holding hands as we come to the table to receive Christ in whom we are one. That's how we take it. The bread and the juice is just going to go around now. And what I'd like you to do is just to, just to hold it when it comes. We're going to take a few moments now. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to just, be, just to pause, to ask yourself, what's your, what's your posture? Are you ready to receive God's word to you right now? Jesus, who is given and is promised? Do you know that as we're going to take this bread and juice, he's going to meet with us, he's going to be active amongst us, he's going to remember us? This is just a moment just to pause and say, what's my posture? Do I want him as Lord and Savior? Again, knowing that he's offered to you. And then we'll take it together. So let's just have a few moments. Okay, let me pray for us, and we'll take this together. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of your word. And we thank you that you've made a promise to the world to give your only son. Thank you, Jesus has been given. And therefore, we know that we have everything we need in him. Thank you, Jesus. You are our righteousness. You are our Lord and our God and our Savior and our life and our peace. And you are ours and we are yours. Thank you. Your body was broken for us to make us whole. Thank you. Your blood was shed to make us clean. And thank you. We are all invited to receive this word for ourselves to say, yes, I take it in. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would know you moving amongst us now as we say yes to the gospel again. Amen. Take the bread, Jesus' body broken for you. And then take the cup, the cup of the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. And as surely as you taste it, you can know he is for you. Communion is a meal of celebration because it's a gift that's been given to us. So Adrian's going to introduce our next part of the morning in just a moment, which we're going to think about celebration.